0: The third episode of Judge Not, we're in Matthew 7, and we've been looking about how God is our ultimate judge, and we are so grateful that he is because he treats us with so much mercy, and we should have that same generous attitude toward others. And we're going to pick up right away with this concept. Van, do you want to read Matthew 7?
2: Yes, certainly. Matthew 7, in verse 1, it says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them. Un- they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces.
0: The word for pay attention or notice is conveying a strong statement. It's to perceive, understand, or consider attentively to fix one's eyes or mind upon. It's not that we don't just notice the log in our own eye. Jesus is saying we don't really understand our sin. We don't take the time to really consider our sin. Why is this so important to start here?
3: Yeah, this is uh this is a good question because I think it you're you're getting to the point here is like we we see sin in someone else. We see Falling short, what you know, uh, just not some place they're not what we think they should be, and we ignore all the places we fall short, and we we touched on that last time, and um, I, I think it's just much easier to see other people's flaws because it's easy to look from ten thousand feet and see it, and it's hard to see my own because I like to think of myself as better than I am. <laughs> um, I heard a sermon uh, a long time ago in 2010, I believe, that uh, the the preacher asked a really good question relating to this passage, and that's um, if I see a speck of sawdust in your brother in my brother's eye, I I should be I shouldn't assume it's a problem. I should ask myself the pro- why is this speck of sawdust a problem for me? Why hmm. does this bother me so much that I feel I must remove it? He's not saying don't remove it because I, I I actually he does say later then you'll see clearly to m- remove right. the spec. He's not saying it's not a problem, but the question I was challenged with is why is why is this a problem for me? Why does this particular thing bother me so much? And that's probably a good question for all of us to ask when we're dealing with something like when we see something in someone else's life is. Yeah, it may be something that needs to be addressed in their life, but why is it an issue for me?
0: That's a great question to ask.
3: It, it starts you on
1: the rabbit hole then of actually being able to yeah. do that work on your own heart
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah. to to consider your sin.
0: Yeah. It helps you to be ref- self-reflective, which is hugely important.
3: And it also, I think, it helps me to, to actually – I don't want to say put their sin in a category, but to put the sin in like, okay, is this is this something that's actually wrong? Or is it something that's just not my preference? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's huge. And I With my kids, there are certain things that annoy me that they do, and they're not wrong. They're totally fine. They're just being kids. They're having fun. And I don't need to be the joy killer because <laughs> I'm annoyed with something.
1: Yeah, that um, that distinction. Typically, when we see, I mean, I'll speak for myself. Typically, when I see something that's different in someone else, I can ass- I can moralize it immediately, mm-hmm. right? And I can assume mm-hmm. that this is sin and an issue. Um, but you know, you had quoted Romans fourteen a couple episodes ago. There are some things that might, I even I might have a very strong opinion or conviction about, but that still aren't sin if someone disagrees with me. And that is even one level, and there's a whole other level of just different personalities and preferences and all this stuff. So when your question there, like, why does this bother me so much? Part of that might also help discover oh, I thought that this was definitely like a sin or like wrong or bad. and Yeah. But maybe it's mm. just
3: because I like to do things this way and yeah. this person's doing this yeah. that way. I'd like to give one example of that that's a little bit of a live wire issue with some <sighs> people. Uh, so I'm not gonna, don't, just, I, I'm just encouraging everyone to think about, but I know uh, in a lot of Christian circles, there's the subject of, is it right to send our kids to public school or to send them to private school or to just homeschool? And the reality is the Bible doesn't actually say which, if that any of those are right or wrong, but people form very strong opinions Mm -hmm. of what everyone should do. But the reality is also that not everything works for every family. Like Mm -hmm. my wife and I both work full time, I don't see any way we could homeschool our kids, even if even if that was a thing we wanted to. And you know, we live in Eastern Massachusetts, so like spending however many grand private school costs per year now—I don't actually know what that number is—might that's just not feasible for a lot of families. And so, and a lot of families choose who can choose to homeschool or choose to send their kids to private school for a variety of reasons. And it's it's not that one's wrong, but we get in it's easy to get into the camp of this is the right thing like you know you can't put your kids in public schools mm-hmm. because of these 8000 things or you can't put your kids in whatever school or, you know you have to homeschool or you shouldn't home yeah like it's very easy to get into that and judge somebody else's decision that they made that Honestly, is the bet is the way it has to work for their own family.
0: Yeah. And we've become more and more tribal and yeah. divided, it seems, as we've held on to these um, issues. And then you end up in a group and maybe you don't even agree with everything in the group, but now you're labeled as you're them. Yeah. And wow. Yeah. The judging can go pretty crazy at that point. The, There were two quotes I was thinking about with this question about sin and why it's important to start with our own. One was very famous, I think it was around 1910, the London Times requested essays from prominent thinkers of their day. And the English writer and Christian apologist uh, G.K. Chesterton famously replied in his essay, very short, Dear Sir, regarding your article, What's Wrong with the World? I am yours truly GK Chesterton. (laughs) So that was his essay, but we live in a society that completely downplays the seriousness of sin and seeks to blame shift to external factors. That's not what Chesterton was doing. He was like, Nope, it's, it's in me, but the world says we're never at fault. Right? The word sin is even frowned upon, and there's nothing wrong with you. You shouldn't feel guilt. However, that's another lie. And the other quote I have is from another writer, this time a Russian Nobel Prize winning author, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. He wrote The line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. Each of us are capable of beautiful good and ugly evil. There is something wrong with you and me. When we ignore our sin, we forget the cost of it. Jesus died for our sins. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Second, I think at the heart of this discussion is perhaps the best piece of practical advice I can give anyone. Judge your own sin. Mm -hmm. Don't waste your time trying to justify yourself. I've learned, especially from marriage, (laughs) that is a waste of time trying to be right. The best thing I can do is reflect what you were saying, Jim. Reflect, right? Take responsibility for my sin. Why does this bother me? Be humble and admit I need help.
3: Mm-hmm. On the subject of judging, I am judging Matt's pronunciation of that Russian last name as fantastic.
0: <laughs> I am very <laughs> impressed.
3: I'm judging Matt very generously with that because I would have butchered that.
0: Thank you. <laughs> I had to look up the phonetic, but you know, uh,
3: <laughs> you nailed it.
0: How how should we bring forward our discussion about the good eye into this passage? We've we've talked about this a little bit, I think, already in in previous episodes. How does it relate? Having a good eye, you know, just to refresh, was akin to having a generous disposition. Mm-hmm. And we talked about what should fill our view, the light we should see what we should treasure most, which is, which is God. Now Jesus is talking about two people with things irritating or obscuring their eyes. Coincidence? I think not. What can we draw from this juxtaposition?
1: Yeah. I mean, in a word, I I think of it as, uh, you know, forgive and you'll be forgiven the unmerciful servant example. Um, what just felt like it drew, drew it out so well, and I think, Matt, you brought that up, it's if, if I can keep in mind how much I've been forgiven by God, mm-hmm. then it'll be very easy or much easier to extend that same little forgiveness of generosity, mm-hmm. of openness to another person.
2: Yeah, I think that, you know, when we were when we were all talking about the good eye in that podcast, one of the things that came out is that it's about it's about not just what you what comes into the eye, but what comes out of the eye. How you mm-hmm. how you uh project into the world. And um you know, it. It for me, it's a. I. I've been wrestling a lot with the fact that you know I'm getting older, and there's sort of this summation that I'm wanting to make of my life as I get older, to say, you know, what was Van Owen's all about? Who was he? Mm. What What do I want people to remember me for? All that type of thing, and I always have to stop, and I have to remind myself. I am not the hero of my story. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And I have to constantly do that. Jesus is the hero of my story, and I think that um, that's a part of having a good eye, is understanding who the hero of the story was. I couldn't help but go back to thinking about uh, Joseph Hmm. in, in Genesis and how the the there's one of my favorite stories in the whole bible but um the remarkable thing about joseph is that he didn't he didn't rise to the man that he was destined to be until he stopped being the hero of his own story he had dreams he went and told his parents i'm the man you guys don't get it <laughs> and then they sold him into slavery and he was in potiphar's house and his attitude was still I'm the man and you don't get it Mrs. Potiphar. The, you know Potiphar has given everything in this house unto nobody's greater in this house than me. I'm the man. When he was in prison, with the, chief, the man in prison. with the chief with the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, he said this is this is what your dreams mean. When you go back to Pharaoh, remember me because I'm the man and nobody else is getting it. <laughs> And through all that hardship that he suffered over a span of, I think it was 13, some kind of a long time of all those setbacks that he was suffering, eventually all that suffering got him to the point so that when he stood before Pharaoh to tell him what his dream meant, it was a completely different story. Mm -hmm. He said, you need to go find a man who can do this. He was no longer saying, I'm the man. He was, you need to go find a man who can fix this famine for, for Egypt. And then when he finally stood before his brothers to get his vengeance, I remember first reading that story and waiting for the zinger, waiting for him to mm-hmm. give it to his brothers. He said, no, God sent me here to save you. And he went, it was a whole different perspective. Now he was seeing it in a different light. Hmm. And I think if you're not, if you're, if you're, if you've got the plank in your eye, then you're not thinking about it rightly. You're still the hero of your own story. You're still trying to make yourself the hero. And I know for me, that's a, that's a huge deal when I think about this, when I think about this passage, because when I'm the hero of the story, I'm judgmental.
0: Hmm. Wow. I'm
2: I'm trying to think of ways that I rose above, that I was better than, that I proved myself worthy of. Until I remember, no, Jesus is the hero of my story.
0: Mm. Yeah,
2: that's a better story. Wow, v- I, Van, I think that was a great uh,
3: that was a great story to bring into this, and in, and a great way to explain that the like. I'm not it. I'm not the hero. I'm not the best. I'm just a passenger. I'm just a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about Matt's question, and I, I always I think it's helpful for me to remember. We called back a few podcasts ago that this is a big thought. This is not just a few. Uh, this is not a few snippets of a thing. This is presented as one long sermon, and how he goes from. Good eyes and generosity to worry, and then he goes back to the eye analogy and how our worry and our uh, our tendency to worry about lots of things, but specifically on our tendency to worry about people and our wor- our worry about where we fit in and our worry that for whatever reason we like to worry that somebody else isn't doing what they should what they should be doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, which, as it comes out of my mouth, sounds really silly, but I think around the room, we've all done that.
2: We do it all the time. We
3: we, mm-hmm. we have done, and we continue to worry about... My wife and I have had conversations this week about people in our circle of influence. It's like, we're worried that they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. And it's not necessarily invalid, but we, when we start having those conversations so consistently we've stopped viewing those people with a generous eye Mm
1: -hmm.
3: and with a good eye. We've started to view those people as sort of the derelict that can't understand it instead of viewing them as people that God loves, Mm. people that God is trying to work with, people who are figuring themselves out and figuring them and God out. Um, And so I, I think our worry about the future and about the unknown really makes us act like this. Yeah. It makes us want to say, makes me want to look at Matt and go, hey, Matt, here's this little tiny thing when Matt's like, dude, you got this big thing that you're missing out on because you're so worried about them that you're you're just forgetting about you.
0: I'm glad you brought the anxiety piece back into it, Jim, because I do think it's related in some way uh, in that... In that section, wasn't he trying to tell us, uh, have faith in me, trust me? Yeah. And and I think it's the same thing here with judging. We need to trust that God is the ultimate judge. Um, you know, when you read Peter and he says, uh, he reminds uh, people that we're called to be like Jesus who entrusted himself to him who judges justly. That's our calling. We're not to be judged and we're to trust God. And God sent Jesus to the cross so that we could be set free and so that we could be blameless. And I think keeping, look like you were saying, Van, looking to, to Jesus, the hero of the story, mm-hmm. uh, looking to God, uh, that is, I think, so crucial because if we're trying to justify ourselves by comparing ourselves to others, that's, you know, we're, 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 much more likely to look for others faults and and sin because we talked about it before has a tendency to blind us to our own sin while you know we're just going to see others sin and we're good and that makes us feel better but it's not really the feeling that we're looking for the approval from god is jesus isn't saying we shouldn't ever help anyone in any circumstance because we're all messed up you know give up (laughs) We're, he's not saying we should just rely um, on ourselves, the Holy Spirit, word, prayer. Um, that would be totally opposite to community. So he's not saying that. Uh, he assumes that we will be trying to help our brother or sister with the with sawdust and or splinter or even plank in their eye. Um, he, he just says, first, you got to take out your own plank, Right. How do you bring this teaching into your experience with community?
3: Well, I think what you, we answered it significantly last question, <laughs> is uh, we, we, when we're with the community, we have to accept, and we've, we've, we've said these things a ton on the pod, but we have to accept that there are people that think a little bit differently than us and that may not agree with us on everything And we have to stop—well, first, we have to view them with a good eye. We have to view them generously. We have to stop worrying about what God will do with people that aren't us and and that aren't—you know, we have to stop worrying that if we don't fix something in someone, that it'll never get fixed. And then we have to, like, trust that God is going to handle that and that there's— that God is judging them and God is working with them exactly how he wants to in the community and trust that the community can, can handle people being a little bit different Mm -hmm. um, and and being maybe not exactly the way I would prefer everyone to be Mm -hmm. Um, because community is not about me getting my preference. It's about us trying to live with God together Mm. and, so to get into the experience of community, we we have to kind of we have to look at the things that bother us and evaluate why they bother us. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that bother me are, are might actually be okay. Like if you're mistreating somebody, or you're mistreating if somebody's being overly harsh with like a group of kids, that would bother me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're they're not letting kids play. They're forcing kids to like act like grown-ups. That would probably bother me. <laughs> um, you know, you guys all laughed, but I've seen enough people force kids t- to act mm-hmm. like grown-ups. Um that, that would bother me. But I have to evaluate does that bother me because it's wrong, or does that bother me because it's not my preference? And then if it if it really is wrong, then I can address it. But I don't I shouldn't be addressing it before I figured out is this really wrong or is this just not what I
2: prefer. Hmm. Yeah. Well there there's a reason why um the Bible calls us to be a church and not just a bunch of lone rangers running around. Yeah. That you know because we're talking about human hearts here and the Bible tells us that the human heart is the wellspring of everything for us, but it's also inscrutable beyond any of our individual comprehension. Deceptive. Deceptive. And so if I were going to be like I want to be sometimes the the be-all, end-all, the judge, if I had it my way, if it were up to me, you know, I sometimes say when I'm sitting on that throne and pontificating, <laughs> it, it it would actually be a terrible task because I, I'm not up to it. But it, the Bible also says in, in Corinthians, I believe, that we have the mind of Christ and that we is the church, mm-hmm. the community. So we we all together can figure out what we all need. The Holy Spirit works for us and in us mm-hmm. and through us, and the operative word there is us, Yeah, that, that we need each other for all of that. I have uh, my, my good friend, Alicia, who was my only human person that I saw during the whole pandemic. She and I were the only two people in the, in the office at the time. And we developed a saying that we would talk about different issues and come up with these wild ideas. It was crazy. And, but our, our motto was, we are a genius. <laughs> but it's really true in the church. We are a genius, yeah, because yeah. we have the mind of Christ. Together. Because working all together, we can judge, and we can have excellent, perfect discernment. But only working together,
0: yeah. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with all uh, th- with them also. Right. I think this reminds me a lot of what. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 18 about if someone is caught in sin, go and show him his fault between the two of you. Mm-hmm. He doesn't listen, bring another along, and again, and there's this whole process where you're bringing someone. On. What does that do though? If you go and 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 maybe like Jim, it's what you were saying, like it's a preference thing. Well, now you've brought that third person in. It's not like you does he say, go tell on them to someone else and they can go talk to him too? No. He says, all three of you now get together. Mm -hmm. And now that third person is helpful because they can see, oh, actually, Matt, that's your weird hang up. And what so-and-so was doing, totally fine, Mm -hmm. not sin. (laughs) And But if it is really sin, now you've got two people that are or maybe there's another approach, or mm-hmm. maybe they'll listen if there's more than one person. Uh, but again, if not, you know, you've got a whole progression, yeah.
2: and it's a process, and it takes yeah. time. Jesus could look at you, and love you, and know exactly what you needed to hear and say it. Mm. But he's the only one who ever, claimed.
0: yeah. Which means we should probably ask a lot more questions than we offer advice.
2: Exactly. Yeah. exactly
3: one of the one of the couples that's been helping us uh, in our parenting they what they say is judging uh, which I think is very helpful for this is it's not wrong to say that something happened or to to simply state facts what's wrong is to presume we know why somebody did something mm. and instead of presuming I know why somebody does something I should, First, seek understanding and make the effort. This is like the walk a mile, well, you know, walk walk the extra mile with someone and take the extra time instead of quickly assuming you did this because whatever to seek understanding. Well, why did you think that was a good idea? Why, you know, with my kids, why did you think that was a good idea to throw your sister's Barbies
0: <laughs>
3: or to, to, you know, to snap things off, limbs off your sister's Barbies like it just, not that my son always does that. Um, but that's not what Barbies are for. Generally, no. <laughs> <It> depends <laughs> if you ask a little boy or a little girl. Um, but it, I think it's really helpful to say, I need to seek understanding before I presume I know. Because when we judge, we are presuming we know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're presuming we know what's in a person's heart. And, even if they do something that is different than we think they should do, they may have a very good reason for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's one other thing I, I want to bring out here. We talked about James four in another podcast episode and in James five, you know, it goes on from not judging each other to restoring someone by the end of that chapter. The end of the book is, is about restoring someone. And there is so much in that chapter about prayer, Mm -hmm. So I think that's another key that should be brought into all of this. Tim, do you want to add some, some thoughts here and and wrap it up for us?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the, the main thing for me when I'm thinking about how to bring this into community is realizing there's much more in common between me and this person than me and God Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that I'm coming to this person as a brother. Mm -hmm. Um, as a member of our family. And so if I have that perspective, then there's, it's very difficult for me to elevate myself because I'm already recognizing that we're, we're on a horizontal playing field.
0: Nice. I love it. So we're wrapping up with humility again. That's awesome. Thank you. We will come back to this. We've got more questions. Thank you very much.